and I'm rejoicing. Are you? It's good to be a Christian and it's good to be found in the house of the Lord. Today I want to encourage us. Where is your faith? I want us to look at a story which is so familiar and yet we skip to look at the lessons which are found in that story. Where is your faith? The story of the birth of Moses is amazing. The background to this story is that Amran marries Joshbed. They lived in a time, if you can remember, Joseph was taken into slavery in Egypt and Joseph became big. He was the governor. Things were good and the family came back to Egypt. They were fed. And now time came when Joseph had long gone. The children of Israel, they are multiplying. They are working hard. They are prospering. And came Pharaoh and said, these people might surpass us. They are doing well. We need to reduce this. We need to reduce their numbers. And the best way to reduce their numbers is to kill all their, you know, children who are born, you know, baby boys. We need to eliminate them. Just leave the girls. They can intermarry with the Egyptians. But for the boys, we need to kill them. Let me read the story to you. Exodus chapter 2, the first 10 verses. Exodus chapter 2, the first 10 verses. The Bible reads, And the man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when, the, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with ashfort and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the, in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to, to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bath at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the, the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful.
We thank you for your word which is living. We thank you, Lord, for the way you minister to us through these pages. Father, I pray that God, may you encourage us. May, we, may you challenge us. May we know that we have a God who serves, a God who is at work even right now. We thank you. We receive your word with thanksgiving in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The story, the birth of Moses. I can imagine a mother having a baby, a baby boy, and all of a sudden, you know, Josh Bed is thinking, this child is gone. It's gone. You know, this child will no longer be there. And the more I was thinking of what lessons can we draw from a story which is so familiar and yet embedded with the truth of God, you and I may not experience the same sort of trials that Joshbed suffered, but her story of faith has much to teach us about the kind of rugged faith God wants us to, to see from us. We dare not ignore the example that Josh Bed gives us of faith in God giving trying times, a faith that displayed itself in her trust in God for the life of her precious child. How do we know that Josh Bed had faith? Well, she's written in the Hall of Fame, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that she displayed faith at a time when you could, you could lose your life to hold on to a baby boy. A good Baptist has three points. <laughs> let, me show, let me share with you three points, you know, the lessons we can learn from uh, this passage of Scripture. The first thing we see in this story is Joshua trusting God during times of risk. Trusting God during times of risk. The first mention of Moses in the Bible is pretty simple. And the man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. So simple. There is nothing really very dramatic about this introduction. In fact, wouldn't even have known that it was describing the birth of Moses unless we had to read on. But knowing as we do the times into which he was born and the terror that reigned around him, we know that he was born into a situation of grave risk. Moses, Joshua's precious baby, was born under a sentence of death. He was an illegal baby, a male child of the Hebrews whose very existence was a crime against Pharaoh. By order of the king of Egypt, the most powerful ruler on the earth, he was immediately to be scooped up and thrown into the river by the hands of the Egyptian people. I imagine the river you know, the African rivers are rich. They are crocs. 
They are hippos. They are not just, you know, you don't see them just flowing. You know, they are, they are rich, fertile. Throwing the baby in this river, there are all these crocs. What risk is Joshabed taking? But then this is what a particularly remarkable baby. The Bible tells us that when Joshabed saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And I wonder why they write three months. Maybe the fourth month, things start happening with babies. You can't hide them you know, anymore because the neighbors will hear the cry one day. You know, the neighbors will hear the laugh one day. The neighbors will hear maybe mom praying for the baby if they are Christians. Three months. The Hebrew verb that's used to describe Moses means much more than he was a very attractive baby. It meant that there was an excellence about him. Little Moses. Something about him that was particularly striking. We are not meant to understand by this that as soon as Jochebed saw her baby, she was so overcome by what a cute baby he was that she just couldn't help but hide the adorable little thing and keep him alive. That would have been the same thing that any Jewish mother would have left toward this brand new baby. Imagine, it's not just Joseph who is having this baby. There are all these Hebrew mothers having babies and they're throwing them. All these sons, they're throwing them. Because if you are found with one, you risk your life. But Joshua, she says, no, I can't just throw him. No, I need to make sure I hide my baby. Joshua and Amram could see that this was a truly remarkable baby boy, that something of the grace of God was truly upon him. Hebrews 11:23 no wonder it records it says that they saw that he was a beautiful child and in the original language it uses the word to describe him that be translated pleasing when something is pleasing it is pleasing in almost an elegant way and it says very specifically that they saw that this was true of him in an objective sense, not merely that he was exceedingly beautiful, as a matter of their own rather subjective opinion. You know, when I read the Bible, you know, Moses is described not as beautiful in the Old Testament, but someone who was so humble. You know, the one who was beautiful was who? Jonathan. And this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. In other words, his mother and father could plainly see that this was no ordinary child. For those of you who are parents, maybe you have five kids or eight kids if you're an African. <laughs> you can tell amongst your eight kids that this one will be a rock star. 
You won't say to all of them, but you know within your hearts and say, this child will be something else. And no wonder the favoritism in these families. And here we go. There's Miriam, the firstborn, and there's Aaron, the secondborn. Now there's Moses, who is so precious. I wonder, does your faith in God even move you to take any risks in him or for him? Do you take risks for him? Does your faith take you to say, Lord, I'm going to risk? My wife and I did. We went to Australia with $1,000 in our wallet and one-way air ticket. What a risk. Giving up a job as an accountant. What a risk. But that was even nothing because this risk was more death sentence for Moses. Is there some new, unknown, perhaps even dangerous area that God is calling you into? You know, sometimes when God speaks to you and says, I've called you to Africa, you know, in your heart of hearts you are seeing Ebola. You know, you are seeing, you know, you are seeing poverty. Friends, we are there. A billion people in Africa. When God calls you, remember, you are not taking God to Africa. He's already there. He's waiting for you. Can you take a risk? Is there a place outside your comfort zone that God is asking you to step into? You know, sometimes it's very hard. You know, you are risking. I, I can't do this. I can't just take a step into this thing. And you are thinking you are missing out on what God wants for you because you have chosen to play it safe instead. You know, you just want it to relax. Don't tell anyone. But something is happening in your life. I believe that every new thing God calls us into involves a certain amount of risk, sometimes even dangerous risk. Joshua knew that God was going to do something through this remarkable baby of hers. And she knew that protecting him involved a dangerous risk. And yet she had the courage of faith to trust God in a time of danger and go with, with him into the risk area he was calling her to. Joshua is a great example of trusting God during times of risk. Where is your faith? The second point, trusting God when things were out of her control. You know, sometimes we are people who like to control. In fact, if you don't have anything to control as a husband, you want to control your wife. <laughs> Would you believe? There's this something within us to control, even at work, wherever we are, we want to control. We want to have things in control. We want to make sure that our portfolio is reading well. The savings are going up. You know, they are going like this. You hate it when the Dow Jones go like that. Because if you had your own way, you want it to go like that. Because we want to be safe, we want to control. 
to control the way we live, to control the environment, to make sure that everything is in subject to what we want to do. Trusting God when things were out of her control. We are not told exactly what happened, but it's very apparent that Joshbed was no longer able to keep her baby concealed. She had successfully kept Moses hidden for three long months, but somehow something went terribly wrong. Since only Joshbed is mentioned in the story, I suspect that her husband, Amran, maybe was out slaving away under heavy labors. Someone saw Joshbed with a baby, or perhaps someone heard the child crying and began to get suspicious. Imagine. It may even be that a neighbor informed on her, and now the authorities were on their way. In any event, it would appear that Joshbed was about to face this crisis on her own. And if she didn't act quickly, the baby would be apprehended and thrown into the river. What does she do? What does she do in times when there is no control? Where could she take him in desperation? Would you believe she developed the only plan she could think of? A basket? with a lid, and put your baby in that basket, and take the baby on the river, on the reeds. In other words, you are out of control. Moses, here you go. I thought you were mine, Moses. I'm out of control. I cannot handle this situation. But the only thing I can do is to put you in the basket. So the story goes, a basket made out of papyrus reeds, perhaps one that she already had in the home. If you look closely at this passage of scripture, you can see two precautions. Joseph clearly took in doing all this. First, she sent the baby Moses adrift on the river, but made sure that the basket was set among the reeds. This meant that she set the basket close to the river bank and not far out into the river where it could be easily seen. And second, you can see that she sent her, basket, her eldest child, Miriam, out to follow the basket and watch what happened to it. You know, the more I read this story, when I come to this place, you know, I, I, I weep like Moses wept. But even with these precautions, think of all the things that were outside of her control. She had set the basket upon a river where it could easily have drifted out into strong currents and be toppled over, or where the child could have easily been eaten by crocodiles, or where it could have easily been spotted by a passing Egyptian. Would little Miriam be able to keep an eye on him without 
herself exposing the baby to detection. And think of the baby himself. How far down river would he drift? How long would he be in the basket? Would he be warm enough as a mother would, you know, would wish her babe to be? Or dry enough? Would he be found in time to feed him and he keep him alive? And if they did find him, would they care for him and attend to his needs? Who would nurse him? Who would he fall into compassion hands? Or would he be found only to be murdered? My suspicion is that only a special strength from God could have enabled this poor mother to put her beloved baby in a basket. And yet, look at how much the providential hand of God proved to be upon Moses. You know, when we always say God is sovereign, in other ways, there is nothing within us which God doesn't know or doesn't take care of. We can't be like King Kong and say, I have done this. Canada, you are so blessed not because of your smartness, but because God chose you at such a time like this to bless you. And look at how in the providence of God, it was right then that, you know, when Pharaoh's daughter went to the river, they saw the basket. And they bring the basket out. And this is the, the most beautiful story, you know, that's in a sentence you can ever read. It was right then that, you know, when they opened, baby Moses was not crying, friends. It's when they opened the lid, baby Moses wept, cried. Not only when it was safe for him to do so, but when it was perfectly time to melt the heart of the princess, Think about it. He never cried in the basket. He was on the, you know, on water, on the river. He never cried until someone opens the lid. And Moses cried. It melted the prince's heart. Whenever I read these, those words and when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. I weep as well. I think, wow, good timing, Lord. Because it says right then, so she had compassion on him. God knows how to appeal to a young prince's natural instinct or inclination. Toward a crying infant, doesn't he? Who among the mothers would look at the baby and say, I'll toss it. The Bible says that the princess and her maids immediately noticed that he was a Hebrew child, perhaps because they saw that he was circumcised. The princess apparently exclaimed out loud, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And again we see the great providence of God because there was Miriam right on cue to ask, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for you. 
when the princess gives her permission, where does she go to? To the mother of Moses. To God be the glory. Reuniting Josh bed with Moses again. So Miriam calls the mother. So, you know, Moses grew up with the admonition and, you know, instructions from the mother. Now I can imagine Miriam running home, almost out of breath, telling her mother what had happened and how the princess wanted her to come and nurse Moses. But what a mixture of emotions must have been running through Jezebel at that moment. Think about it. She was out of control. She trusted the God who has everything under control. With faith in God's providence, however, I'm sure with much prayer, Jezebel obeyed the call of the princess. Imagine the remarkable providence of God that Jehoshaphat must have reflected on that night. I lost my child. And now is no longer my child. But yet the princess wants me to nurse this child. Brothers and sisters, what do you do with things that are outside of your control? Do you pray? Do you entrust the circumstances that will about yourself and those you love to the providence of God through your prayers? It happened to us in Australia. You can think a thousand dollars wouldn't go a long way. Within a month it was gone. We were out of control. We are thinking our money will protect us. Our money will make sure that, you know, we play it safe. God removed that. And now we had to trust the Lord. We handed over to the Lord and said, Lord, you have to provide for us. How can you bring us from Zambia? Bring us to Australia. And we are stranded. And God's providence, he didn't give us a round-trip ticket. No return ticket. Because if we had a round-trip ticket, then we would be in control. We would have gone back home to Zambia. But out of control. We had to, by faith, find an apartment. By faith, trusting God that he will provide. We are out of control. Where is your faith? Do you entrust the circumstances that will about yourself and those you love to the providence of God through your prayers? Can you point to anything in your life that you accept as outside of your control? Your health, your finances, your relatives, your family? One of the great lessons Joshua Beth has to teach us is how to trust God when things are outside of our control. The Bible says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust him also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. May God help us to trust him as Joshua Beth did. 
you would think that after all this, Jochebed would have demonstrated all that there is to demonstrate. There's another you know, point we learn from here. Trusting God when it was time for her to let go. Think about it. Your own son. Time has come. Now you have to let him go. The Bible says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Joshabed, he had to let go. She had to let go of Moses. I can imagine the pain that Joshabed would have felt in doing, you know, his not only the emotional but the spiritual pain as well. She had seen when he was born how something of the remarkable favor of God of Israel had rested upon him. She had received her son back as if from the dead through the providence of this mighty God. And now she had to let him go. And yet here we see the final test of Jezebel's faith to entrust her son to God's care when her care could no longer be given. To entrust everything to God's care. He was going to forever be out of her hands and she had to turn him over to the hand of another. We read of no resistance on her part to this, though we don't see that she fights against it or tries to keep her child to herself. But God, in his own way, working through Joshua, she gives up. How about you? Is there something in your life that you are refusing to let go? You know, friends, we spent, my wife and I spent eight years in California, Orange County. I had a job as an associate pastor. My wife ended up working for Microsoft. We had what they called the American dream. Each one is driving, you have a house, you have a good salary, and things are working well. But when God called us from Zambia, he didn't call us to stay in Southern California. There was a destination for us. We had to give up what we had to let go. You think about it. The salary, you know, all, what Doreen was making, put together with mine, would help our families. Only our families. But time came for us because we are so comfortable. We had to go back to be focused on what God had for us on our hearts. We went back to Zambia. You know, when our friends in California were saying, are you out of your mind? The whole world wants to come to Northern America. You are going out? We are doing the opposite. We had to let go so that we can have what God had for us. Is there something in your life that you are refusing to let go of? Maybe it's a husband. 
you are refusing to let go of your pride. What is that something in your life you are refusing to let go? Is there something that he is calling you to pull your hands off and release to his sovereign care? You know, sometimes we always think of, if I let go, then what will happen to me? We always think of the negative. When you are a Christian, true Christian, you come to a place where you know that you are in God's hands. Friends, where can you go, as the psalmist says, where can I go from the presence of the Lord? If I try to ascend up to heaven, he is there. In my depression, he is there. Sometimes the hardest, the hardest tests of faith come to us not when it's time for us to rise up and do something, but when it's time for us to pull our hands away and stop trying to do something. <coughs> Excuse me. Such tests come not when it's time for us to take control of a situation or person, but to release the control of that situation or person to another. The three greatest lessons we learn. That we can face times of danger confidently if we have faith in God's promises. Second, that we can be at peace when the circumstances around us seem to be out of control. If we have faith in God's providence. Third, that we can let go of the people or things that is no longer right for us to hold on to. If we have faith in God's unending grasp on them, may we go out encouraged that God is at work. We can take risks. We can let go. Even if we are out of control, we have a God who is in control. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for yet continuing to giving us lessons of faith. We want to follow you. We want to honor you in everything we do. May we say yes to your calling. We commit all our ways to you. Everything we are going to do to you, our sovereign Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.